AJ Brown is the poster boy for that. He is a homegrown guy. He's going to be of the utmost value to them going forward. He's not going anywhere, but there's no rush. Welcome into the Titans 10 for Tuesday, April the 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined, as always, by James Foster of No Flags Films on Twitter, on Patreon, on YouTube. James, Marvel or DC? Um, I haven't ever seen a superhero movie, so... Not a single superhero movie of any genre. Um, I saw the Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire like back in 2002 or something, 2003. Why? Do you just not just not interested at all by the entire I'm not like thing? I'm not anti-superhero. I just that was never what I watched as a kid and then the stories now have never seemed all that compelling to me. Seems like the good guys just win. I mean, um, they tend to, yeah. Yeah. But like I have nothing against people that like superhero movies i'm not just I'm not, not your like thing. that guy it's just not my thing you know interesting i would i would have to say marvel and that's just because i was i was not a comic book kid um nothing against the comics they seem really cool and interesting um i just was never into them and so my knowledge is based purely off of the film franchises and marvel does laps around dc which is a shame because dc's got some really great source material and like their characters are fun um, they've got some really great villains that they should tap into. They're just, their whole cinematic universe is disjointed, but, um, I, I hope it goes like better for them because I want, you know, like Marvel has kind of run its course. Now it feels like we're getting into some weirder Marvel characters. I'd like to see some big major motion pictures with DC characters. Uh, that was our first question today. And what is going to be primarily a mailbag episode. That one is, is part of the question brought to us by, Kenneth at Texas Sports 1015 on Twitter. He got that in right at the buzzer. We're recording at 720. He sent us that on Twitter at 650. Good timing, Kenneth. Um, we'll talk a lot more Titans-related questions here in a minute when we get into the mailbag today. But before we do, I have a couple of topics that I want to bring up, discuss with you, James, maybe rant a little bit about. The first of which, we are a Titans podcast, and we would be remiss to not include in today's episode the news of the day, the news of the week, if you can really, I guess, news in air quotes, I would I would put it, because it's all about A.J. Brown today, and it has been a big part of the Titans offseason, the A.J. Brown contract situation, trade rumors that were never substantiated, we've talked about and dismissed on this podcast already before. But it was announced today, uh, earlier this morning, that A.J. Brown, in addition to some other wide receivers around the league in his position that were not first-round picks in the 2019 draft, so they are all entering the fourth and final year of their contract, uh, guys like Debo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, all these guys kind of in the same boat, breakout stars that were found later in the draft and are now looking to get extensions, get paid by their team. AJ is going to be one of those guys that is not going to be reporting to the voluntary workouts part of camp. And it it sounds like he's not interested in coming 
back and joining the team until he gets a contract. So he's holding out, um, which is entirely disinteresting to me, at least for this portion of uh, offseason work, because, you know, even if he wasn't seeking a new contract or holding out, odds are he probably still wouldn't be there today or this week. Like veterans aren't there. Ryan Tannehill wasn't there, which is a whole nother story. We're not going to talk about those of you on the internet mad about Ryan Tannehill, not being at, at uh, OTAs today. Stop, just stop. Um, But what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on AJ Brown holding out and his whole contract situation? Does it concern you at all? Was was that reported that he was holding out? It was reported. Let, let me go. Let me go find the exact report. It was okay. See, from Tehran Davenport this morning, our buddy Tehran tweeted out that Titans wide receiver AJ Brown does not intend to report for the start of the team's voluntary offseason program today. In addition to not taking the field, according to a source, the first two weeks. Phase one of the program includes meetings, strength and conditioning, and physical rehab only. I saw elsewhere. I forget. Right, who but like and how not credible. reporting to voluntary workouts is not holding out, though. It's true. It's true. I hold. I may. I could totally be writing that in uh, to the the narrative here. I, I've definitely read "holding out" a number of times today on the internet, but now you have me questioning. Okay, so yeah, it's not. It's, it's kind of it's kind of vague. They're not explicitly holding out. Um, it, here's according to ESPN sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter that 49ers star Debo Samuel, Titans wide receiver AJ Brown, and Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin are seeking new contracts and are not expected to participate in any on-field work during their respective teams' offseason programs. Now that could be taken a couple of different ways, right? Like maybe those are two separate things. Maybe they are seeking new contracts and also they're not participating in the voluntary on-field work during the offseason programs like other veterans are doing who, you know, aren't seeking a new contract. They're just veterans and it's voluntary and they're not there, right? So maybe that's what it is and it's conveniently placed together. Or maybe, and I don't know what their sources have said, I've searched the internet today and I, I can't find a super straight answer about whether or not the two things are explicitly connected according to sources, according to agents. But um, I think it's something that will develop. Obviously we'll get the answer to that, whether or not, um, you know, assuming he doesn't get a a contract, which I think, I don't know about you based on the Titans past behavior. I don't really expect him to get a new contract until later this summer. I do expect him to get one before the new season. I think that they're going to get that done because it's important to them. He's important. He's the, you know, the most valuable player on the offense. Um, in my opinion, but, you know, based on John, John Robinson's track record, he tends to do those kinds of extensions in July. So, I mean, do you expect them to give him a new contract? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to say as far as timing, um, it could have just happened that that's when those deals got finished up. True. Um, but I absolutely expect them to re-sign, extend AJ Brown because I don't think they expect to have Ryan Tannehill's contract on their books in a couple of years. Mm. So I think having that investment and then you expect Taylor Lewan's cap hit to be off of uh, the salary cap. You expect, you know, some of these bigger contracts to be gone. Uh, like, I don't really think they're in any sort of cap situation where they can't afford to pay AJ Brown and even overpay him a little bit. Right. I mean, Derrick Henry will assume we're assuming he'll be gone in the next couple of years um, or at, you know, his, his large cap hit at least will be gone. And the cap of course is, is set to boom over the coming years, the new TV deals and, and getting out of the COVID uh, 
artificially shrunk cap situation. Like, yeah, I, I kind it's of not look at a big it deal like, to pay these wide receivers. I kind of look at it as the Titans window or the Titans just organizational path as being next year is the final year, the final version of whatever this iteration of the team yes. is. And we're going to try to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. And then if that doesn't work out, then the next season will be kind of them entering into a new phase. And I expect them to want AJ Brown and Jeffrey Simmons to both be kind of the cornerstones of the franchise yes. for that phase, because there's a lot of these guys that we see taking up big cap hits that just aren't going to be in the equation moving forward. And, you know, that path moving forward will involve a new quarterback and um, all the questions that come with that. But yeah, I mean, I, I it, it would just make no sense for them to not, or for them to not re-sign AJ Brown unless they got some just crazy trade package with like three first round picks that would never happen. Right. And, and and that's, that's the ridiculousness of all of this. The, the internet has once again, it's groundhogs day with the AJ Brown nonsense. The, the jets Twitter fan base has once again, lost their minds or maybe they never got it back to begin with, but they're all over it. Multiple fan bases are all over it. Here's what I have to say to those freaking out on the internet. Titans fans, just perspective on this, right? This is what it's like to have a star player of this caliber, right? And I know that the, in terms of wide receivers in particular, which wide receivers in a increasingly passing-driven league are a hot commodity across the league. Star wide receivers are arguably the most sought-after position other than quarterback. And so... When you have a star, a real star, number one receiver in the league, a top 15, top 10 guy, and A.J. Brown is that, okay? This is, this is what it's like, and Titans fans aren't used to that because they haven't had incredible passing games or, you know, passing games that can support an incredible talent like A.J. Brown in the, in the recent past. But, you know, the Tyreek Hills of the world, the um, Stephon Diggs of the world, the Cooper cups of the world, like those teams fan bases deal with this kind of thing all the time. Other teams at the very slightest hint of discontent of contract issues of not being able to afford a guy. They're going to start the rumor mill up at full force because they like to fantasize about getting your player. It's the same thing that frankly Titans fans have probably done to other teams for years and years and years. And it's annoyed the heck out of them. And, and now the, they're on the other side of the equation. So be thankful that you're on the other side of the equation. You're in a very good place. If you're constantly having to fend off other teams, fans on Twitter with your warrior Twitter fingers, um, because they're trying to, you know, recruit your, your guy with their tweets screaming into the void that nobody sees about how great they would be in your offense and how awesome it would be. So just some perspective on that. He's not going anywhere. The, the deal, like I tweeted earlier today, the deal is getting done sooner than later. The Titans value their homegrown guys that, you know, are going to be valuable to them going forward. AJ Brown is the the poster boy for that. He is a homegrown guy. He's going to be of the utmost value to them going forward. He's not going anywhere, but there's no rush. There's no misalignment of goals. Both sides of this contract negotiation want the same thing. So they're taking their time. The draft is coming up and then they'll have a long June and July to get things figured out. I expect him to sign his large contract extension sometime July, August is my prediction. Maybe, maybe at the very beginning of August, but by the time it's, it's time for him to get out there and on the field. So I would not worry about that at all. 
Now that I'm done ranting on that, let me rant on this. And I want your thoughts on this. There are two things from Twitter this week that I want to very briefly discuss before we get into these questions. Both are mock draft and draft related. The first of which is a tweet um, from, or excuse me, a, a story from the Titans Twitter account earlier today. Uh, writer over there, Jim Wyatt, the uh, senior writer for the Titans, he puts together in the in this in this part of the offseason, he puts together a I think it's weekly um, roundup of mock drafts. He goes around the internet, scours different national mock draft makers and takers and analysts, and they uh, they put them all together into this mock draft roundup. This is the seventh iteration of it. This offseason came out earlier today, and I was going through it just looking at where across the mock draft universe different people have the Titans picking at twenty six in the first round. And I just want to hear general thoughts on this. So it's not all that shocking that the the top three positions that were mocked to the Titans in these mocks, and it's a lot of them, are wide receiver, tackle, and linebacker because people are still stupid enough to think that the Titans are going to take a linebacker in the first. Um, and so wide receiver, nine of the mocks had them going wide receiver. Eight of them had them going tackle. Seven mocks had them going linebacker. Now, what I find most interesting about this is who they had going at these positions. Oh, and by the way, Four of the mocks had them going quarterback, two had them going guard, and one had them going cornerback, which would, you know, I don't know if Teron Shadow uh, edited that <laughs> that mock and just to, to get just to get at us here in the local uh, local media. But the quarterback situation, the line or the tackle situation, and the wide receiver situation in terms of who they mocked to us is interesting. Um, the quarterback situation of the four mocks that had the Titans picking at twenty six. Um, two of them had them going Kenny Pickett. Just briefly, does that surprise you? He seems to kind of be slipping down the the board, the consensus board. He, you know, it felt like three weeks ago he was the consensus one or two guy. He'd be going in the mid to late teens, and now I, I've not just I've just not heard a lot about Kenny Pickett. Is uh, what well, are your I mean, thoughts on him? The right consensus now? was that he was. I don't know about consensus, but the the idea was that he was going to Carolina at right. Six believe um yeah i i don't know my thing is uh, like my quarterback evaluations remain pretty static throughout the entire process because i do them so early and i was just completely whelmed by everything that i saw from kenny pickett just whelmed not overwhelmed (laughs) just whelmed right um and he would just like having to watch him as the titans quarterback and do film study on him would that's probably what purgatory is. So. <laughs> is he is he the is he the quarterback that you would least like them to take at twenty six? Is there another like probable first round like, pick that you as would far like as worse? the as far as the realistic ones? Well, I mean, he's uh, I have a higher grade on him than than Desmond Ritter, so I would prefer Kenny Pickett. Wow, but that's a take. That is a take. That is a take. Yeah, I, I, not a not a hot take, not a cold take, but it, it's a take. All right. Um, hopefully we don't have to evaluate one, that take the one know. that's interesting to me though. So there are some of these when you're going through, uh, and reading off of them, some of them, you can just kind of discount because it's like, okay, they don't have any idea what the Titans needs are. Um, Trent McDuffie out of Washington is a pick not going to happen. Right. Um, you know, I like linebacker. I just, I can't imagine that happening in the first round. I it's Devin Lloyd sh- and Kobe Dean that they're just they they have to get into their first round somehow and they just slot him in. Devin Lloyd is 24 years old. 
Right. Yeah. Um, I can't see them. I can't see them liking Jahan Dotson over some of the bigger options. Right. So that's what I was going to ask you because five of the the nine wide receiver mocks in that list had them going Dotson. Three had them going Burks. What would your just snap judgment be on draft night if they went Dotson at 26, regardless of who was on the board? There would be two, two things that two issues that I had with Dotson. First of all, is the role that he would be playing mm-hmm. is being like that small shifty slot receiver, which is kind of going out of style in terms of like a positional archetype nowadays. Your teams are valuing big slots like Traylon Burks or Juju Smith-Schuster a lot more. Right. Um, so I would I would question that, and it would be out of character because they usually draft bigger receivers. The other thing is I would have an issue with it from a player evaluation standpoint. Um, Traylon Burks is just outside of my top thirty-two, but mm. like if 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 the Titans draft a player, you know, ten or twenty spots ahead of where I had them ranked, I'm not going to sit here and and be overly critical of them for having a different evaluation. Right. It's like the Des Fitzpatrick pick where it's like, what honestly did you see on tape? I would sort of feel that way with Jahan Dotson being a first round player. Right. Where, Um, where's he on? Where's your overall? Do you have him? So I was actually just finalizing my grades, um, going through and looking at Dane Brugler's draft guide and looking at ages, making sure that there weren't any like 24 year olds that I was, not realizing uh, Jahan Dotson I have as my 10th ranked wide receiver mid third <sighs> round grade on him 10th yeah that would be that'd be I mean just a full-blown disaster really if they if they were to do that but I mean again like that's my evaluation it's like you've got to I'm not going to sit here and like pretend that I'm this all-star scout and that like you know right well but I mean I'm, I'm sitting I here say, I'm looking know, at from my standpoint I would, I would say that's a bad that's on a, the consensus board he's the sixth wide receiver 30 overall yeah i just don't i don't agree with that at all at all yeah i mean he's 178 pounds which is sixth percentile for wide receivers 18th percentile arm length like it's you know being big is just important in the nfl okay real quick who would you rather them take at 26 Jahan dotson or george pickens oh george pickens absolutely Jahan dotson or sky Moore. sky Moore even more Jahan dotson or christian watson Christian Watson. Yeah. See, like I, you get down to these like clearly third round guys before you find somebody that I'd be like, okay, fine. Take. I take bet John they're going to have a high him. grade on Christian Watson because he's a good run blocker, which is, is not he? something that I think I care about nearly as much as they do. Well, it doesn't matter what you care. They love is, their run blockers. He is probably man. the best run blocking receiver in this class. Interesting. It wouldn't shock me if they found a way to get him on the team, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, the other interesting thing on this on this real quick is the tackle of the eight mocks that had the Titans taking a tackle. They had them taking they had the Titans taking Smith five of them overall, and I feel like we haven't talked about him much on this podcast. What are your what are your thoughts on him and potentially going that early in the draft? Um, yeah, Tyler Smith. I I think he'll be listed as a tackle on some places, but. I expect him to be a guard at the NFL and he mm. has the potential ceiling to be uh, like a really high caliber top five guard. Um, he has oh, wow. great length, very fluid athlete, but he plays left tackle at Tulsa and his hand usage is just a complete mess. He was one of the, I think the most heavily penalized offensive tackle in FBS last year. Um, and that's 
holding penalties by just like grabbing and hanging on for dear life in pass protection. And it's unnecessary roughness, just like slamming someone's head into the ground. So he, he's like a, a violent, violent player uh, with really rare athletic tools, but very rough around the edges. Got to kind of hone in that athletic or that uh, aggression into like actually, you know, being a skilled football player. Yeah, that would be, I mean, on one hand, I guess you'd be like, okay, so maybe they're thinking take him with the really high end guard potential. And you're just hoping that your left or your right tackle situation works out with I, Dylan Ravens. I, I wouldn't like that pick because I don't care about having this elite guard. Like I just want to be fine at guard, you know, that's right. Like, well, that's not a position where I value having like this top five left guard uh, compared to what I would have to pay, you know, $5 million a year or a fourth round pick for someone who's just fine. Well, and especially if, and when Zion Johnson and or Kenyon green would still be on the board. Like if, if either of those guys were still on the board that you'd really hate that pick, because obviously you'd rather take one of those guys if you're looking for that guard position. Um, the other thing that I, the very last thing before we get to these questions, and I promise we're getting to them, this tweet from last week, um, it was a tweet from, let me give credit to the person here, uh, Larry Holder. Uh, Larry, what what are you? Uh, okay, so he's a New Orleans columnist, NFL writer for The Athletic. He went through and ran 40 NFL first-round mock draft simulations uh, for from Pro Football Network and the Draft Network, th- those two different um, simulators. And he did 20 with each. And his results, a little bit, mind melting for the titans it's it's a comedy of errors at this point the simulators they mocked a linebacker to the titans on 19 of the 40 runs that he did Um, and for what it's worth they also mocked a cornerback or center to the titans on five more of them which would be you know really foolish picks in the first round a wide receiver they mocked on nine of them which would obviously not be foolish and then guard or tackle it mocked to the titans zero of the 40 times which, you know, is not foolish. And also, in my opinion, maybe the most likely outcome. This is all to say, for people that use mock draft simulators, they're great. I know that we both use them as, as a tool, but like like most things, they are very much a tool. They are very far from gospel, especially with the predictive element of them When whenever you're using them to make picks for other teams um it's a little it's a little on the sketchy side yeah yeah the thing that people don't understand is that the order that these players go in the mock draft simulators you used are are programmed by the websites that are hosting the simulator like if they the dumbest tweet that you can send me is oh like but you said you thought this player was going to be gone he's available in all of my mock drafts that i do it's like right Teams, all teams have different boards than each other, different boards than the media. So it's once you get past like the top 10 picks, it's really difficult to know how things are going to pan out. Yes, agreed. All right. With all of all of those things out of the way, just some discussion topics today. We've got our questions. We've got a handful of them today that we're going to fly through real quick for our mailbag. We'll probably do one more of these next week. Pre-draft a, a last all call for questions pre-draft probably really hone in on Titan specific things um, as we get, I mean, gosh, we're really, we're really close at this point. We're uh, less than 10 days, nine days away from the draft starting, which is crazy. The first question in our mailbag 
as promised, is the only question submitted to us this week via five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much to Titan2122 for submitting your question via leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Congratulations. You get bumped to the front of the line. Uh, her His or her question is, who do you think the most realistic tradeback partner is for the Titans? Do you see a tradeback situation to later in the first round? Or do you default to the idea that they would be getting a second rounder? Um, I, I put a little bit of, of thought and effort into this question before we got on, if you don't mind. I, I, I went and I looked at um, draft, just draft capital. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it's it's just trade value charts you can find online. I know Jimmy Johnson is the guy who was famous for popularizing this back in the day with the Cowboys. I don't think it's exactly his system that's used anymore. I think it's uh, a little bit modernized to the, the modern NFL, but nonetheless, there's a point value assigned to each draft pick. And that's used by a lot of teams and GMs and front offices to um, judge whether or not a, a pick is fair or not. And so looking at a couple of, potential trade partners for the Titans at 26. These three teams stuck out to me and let me lay out my case for why I could see them making a trade. So the lions have to two had, they have two first round picks. They have number two overall and they have number 32 overall with two overall. I would be shocked if they went with a quarterback. Right. And so, you know, they have, they have a passable quarterback right now on the books for a ridiculous amount of money. They, you know, are going to have much better value at number two going somewhere other than quarterback. They're not going to take a quarterback there. However, they are a team that is in need of a quarterback of the future, and they could see some value in getting a quarterback later in the first round. Maybe they want to jump up six spots from 32 to 26 and take the Titans 26th rounder. In terms of value, the 26th overall, 26th rounder, 26th overall, um, if they want to take the Titans 26th pick, that pick is valued at 700 uh, points in this system, right? So a potential trade for them could be the Lions giving them their 32nd pick, which is the last pick in the first round, in which case, to your question, they would be getting a first rounder in return, just moving back six spots, as well as number 97 overall, which is a third round pick. Um, that comes out to a 700 to 702 value. That's a very even trade. Now, in these trades, I'm, I'm pretty sure the team that is giving up the higher pick tends to get the better end of the deal. Usually teams have to overpay to move up, especially in the first round. Um, another team that if they were desperate, the Titans could get really good value in terms of, you know, draft pick trade value is the Seahawks. They have a pick in the first round at number nine overall. Again, a little bit early potentially to take a quarterback. You could see them wanting to go elsewhere at number nine but then wanting to trade back up into the first late first to get 26th overall, they could trade number 40 and 41. They have back-to-back -back picks in the second, which would be a 700 to 990 value trade. Definitely lopsided for the Titans, but if they were desperate, that would be the time. I mean, that would be really, I think you and I would agree. That'd be a great scenario. If they were to get two mid second round picks in exchange for this first round pick, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if they weren't as desperate, they could also trade 40 overall and 72 overall, which is a mid second, early third round pick. Um, that would be a 700 to 730 trade. Also very even the third one. And this may be the most interesting one. I tweeted this out earlier this week, and I don't think people really care all that much because Titans Twitter doesn't really care about the Ravens. They when they do care about them, they hate them. But I was thinking about the Ravens earlier this week. 
I think that the Ravens are the super duper undercover sneaky team to potentially look to get a quarterback in this draft just because of their situation with Lamar, him representing himself as his own agent, you know, it being weird reportedly them not being able to rush into a, not rush, but like they've, they've been kind of dragging their feet on this deal. He's not a first round pick, so he's not got a fifth year option coming up. He, he's playing right now. He's in the same boat that AJ Brown is like, this is his last year on the books. And then he's a unrestricted free agent. And so it's just a weird situation. And with a guy that is mobile and, you know, has injury risks, a little bit of injury history, maybe they look to get a guy as a backup plan in case Lamar has another bad or injured year. It wouldn't shock me at all. Genuinely, it would not if they, and maybe that's a hot take in this draft for me, but I think that they're a sneaky team to get a, a, a quarterback and they have a ton of draft capital. They've got 10 picks. I believe five of them are all in the fourth round. So they could package like, Number 45 overall, number 76 overall, and number 110 overall, which um, I believe is a third, fourth, and fifth pick, I believe. Third, fourth, and fifth, or third, fourth, and fourth. I'm not sure with compensatory picks. That would be a 700 to 733 uh, trade, another really even one. So I could see that all of that, those numbers and talking and rambling is to say, I think if the Titans manage to trade down, it could mean a number of things. It could also include that I've not included in this rant future draft capital, but your question was about this year's draft capital. So I could see them trading back into the like first and third, two seconds, a second, third and a fourth, something like that would not shock me at all. All right. Next question from Titan fan in NFL. Why is Ritter considered a better quarterback than Howell? Um, Better quarterback, I would say better quarterback prospect. The reason that a team would have a higher grade on Desmond Ritter than Sam Howe is number one, Cincinnati was a much more translatable to the NFL offense than UNC's. UNC's offense was essentially just RPOs, bubble screens, and fake bubble screens. Um, Cincinnati was actually, you know, running some NFL concepts. Um, Desmond Ritter is also very accurate on the run as opposed to Sam Howell, who is one of the least accurate quarterbacks uh, when his feet aren't set in this class. And then Desmond Ritter tested really well at the combine. Sam Howell didn't really test. So uh, those are the main reasons that I would say certain teams are going to be higher on Desmond Ritter. Um, the, the thing is, and I, I wasn't planning to do this, but we can kind of just seamlessly transition this into another question, which says, mm. how are your grades affected by landing spots for players? And they aren't. That's kind of, that's what's different about my board or any media board from an NFL team's board is like an NFL team has almost exact specifications about what they're looking for. Like they know that their linebacker coach says like if his arms are shorter than 31 inches I can't can't coach him or whatever so like right it, like they have all all these specific things that factor into their board for their scheme and in some cases it's very different team to team right right and so like uh the the guy asking the question says for example like if Olave went to the Eagles versus Skymore going to the Packers different quarterbacks that's absolutely just kind of one of the unknown uh variables in the entire draft process is that you know, I can watch these guys tape, but once they get into the NFL, they have so many more different factors that are affecting their development that I have no ability, me or anyone else has no ability to project. 
Yeah, absolutely. I want we, there's actually the third question that I I didn't put in this uh, rundown for you, James, but it kind of goes along the same along the same uh, line here. Let me get it pulled up real quick. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, from at Canadian Titan Nine, Michael he he asked earlier in the week. Other than Ritter, who I expect to get drafted earlier than expected, do you see Howell as a better fit or a higher ceiling? Kind of along the same lines, but a bit of a different question in terms of the fit with the Titans in particular. James, do you see Ritter or Howell as a better fit? And who do you think has the higher ceiling? Uh, I think Ritter has Ritter is a better fit, um, you know, for the same things that I mentioned as far as how translatable his offense is to the NFL. Um, the thing with shorter quarterbacks like Sam Howell is that they're not usually very effective at throwing the middle of the field. Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray both struggle literally seeing over their offensive line and attacking the middle of the field. So they have to work the sidelines. Sam Howell and Matt Corral, I think, will both have that issue. And for an offense like Tennessee's that attacks the middle of the field so heavily, I could definitely see them being lower on Sam Howell or Corral. Yeah, agreed. And um if just my personal opinion on this, which Michael was asking in his question earlier in the week, it's, it's my opinion that I, I think, I think either one would not be very good with the Titans um, or a very good pick in the first, at least I think Howell is probably a slightly higher ceiling in terms of immediate impact with the Titans. I could see him being better sooner, but I think Ritter might have the higher ceiling overall if he got developed well. So those are my thoughts, but um, you know, take them, take them with a grain of salt, I suppose. The next question is from Blaine Kelly. He asks, if you could add one of your favorite players from the league to the Titans, but had to get rid of one in the process, who would you add and who would you lose? I, I have mine. Do you have yours? Okay, so I didn't really understand the losing part of this. Like, who do I have to lose from my team? So, like, you can add a player, but you have to get rid of a player on the Titans at that position. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have mine. Okay. Who do, who do you have? Uh, I would add Aaron Donald and then get rid of like Tier Tart or... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Naquan Jones. Naquan Jones, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's a, that's a pretty good trade right there. Mine was less literal to um, getting the... Like improving the team overall and more just like for my own personal enjoyment although sneaky good ad i would add uh i sorry i would i would cut unfortunately uh mr logan woodside who bless his heart is just maybe the most boring backup quarterback in the league and the titans have needed to upgrade for a while i would get rid of him in lieu of arguably not arguably i'm just gonna say it definitively the most electric backup in the league gardner flint Minshew the second um, just because he's like my favorite non-star in the league. He's an amazing personality. If you don't follow him on social media, you must. He loves doing things shirtless with a mustache and aviators and katanas. And it's, he's just awesome. And he's my favorite. And also, you know, not to, not to opine on something too serious here, but like backup quarterback underrated position. It's, it's a, some much smarter NFL minds than I in the past have famously said that besides quarterback and like maybe left tackle backup quarterback is among the most important positions on the team. Um, and so the Titans would benefit from upgrading. He'd be a, a clear upgrade to me. Uh, so that's my answer. Our next question comes from Anthony Marsh. They ask 
favorite day three edge defenders. James, that's definitely your territory. Do you have a couple of names for us the Titans could add if they're looking to get some edge depth in on the third day of the draft? Uh, so guys I like on day three, I like Alex Wright out of UAB, 34-inch uh, arms. Thought he had really good film. Uh, I like Josh Pas- Pascal out of Kentucky. He's a really good run defender. Doesn't add too much as a pass rusher, but if you want him to be that third rotational edge, um, I think he could be a good one. And then honorable mention to Kyron Johnson out of Kansas. He's like an elite special teamer prospect. Mm. Just doesn't Titans have, love their elite special teamers, the man. Size or the measurables, but he's super fast. Uh, really good player. Likely going to be a priority free agent, but would like to see him end up on the Titans. What are you, what's your opinion on the Titans looking at edge depth in this draft in particular, or in, just in general, rather? Um, I would almost rather them spend a first round pick on edge than drafted in, in like the third round. And I really, wouldn't, I wouldn't really like either, but yeah, I just don't think that you usually get a ton of value drafting edge defenders in the mid rounds because the NFL is pretty good at recognizing what traits you need to win as a pass rusher. It's, you know, length and acceleration and bend and right guys that don't meet those thresholds usually go uh, later in the draft for a reason. Okay. We have got a couple of questions left. This one comes from, uh, you just wrote down 10. Do you know who this actually came from? Yeah. The Twitter name was literally T E N N. Okay. All right. So at 10, they ask top 10 halfbacks. It's not being talked about a lot, but I think the Titans have a solid chance of taking one somewhere mid to late in the draft with letting Foreman and Evans go and Henry being a bit older and getting hurt last season. I'd like to know how or where, where rather you'd rank them. Um, we don't necessarily have to do a top 10, but who are your, who are your top halfbacks that in particular, the Titans could, could reach maybe later in the draft. You know, my guy, Pierre strong jr. That's my pick. So besides him, who else would you like? Yeah. So these are my top 10 halfbacks. Oh, you got all 10. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll just, I'll run through them. Uh, number one, Kenneth Walker, Michigan state. Number two, Brees Hall, Iowa state. Number three, Jerome Ford, Cincinnati. Number four, Damian Pierce, Florida. Number five, Pierre strong jr. South Dakota state six, Rashad white, Arizona state seven, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame eight, Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M, nine, Keontae Ingram, USC, 10, Zaquandre White, South Carolina. Of that list, guys that I think fit what the Titans need the best, I would say Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. He's the best pass protecting running back in this class, has really good hands, just not a very explosive athlete. Um, I think Rashad White is a good option. I love running backs that are over 200 pounds. That's a, a really big indicator for NFL success, the ability to break tackles and stay healthy. And Rashad White is six foot, 214 pounds, 44840, 38-inch vert, really good tape. Um, so White and Kyron Williams would be the guys that I would highlight. Overall, though, I would prefer that they don't invest a ton of draft capital in the running back position. Round four is really the first place that I would start to think about it. Right. It's only if there's a guy who's who's really falling that's high on your board. Yeah, I agree. I, that's definitely a day three only thing, in my opinion, for the Titans. This next question comes from Milton Hotspur. It's actually multiple questions here. We'll take them one at a time. Milton asks... Um, 
he says the Music City Audible, another broadcast, another a uh, another Broadway sports media podcast that we have here on the network. They addressed this briefly on their previous episode, but do you think the Titans will and or should extend Amani Hooker? And if so, could it be a surprise extension this offseason that we're not expecting? I think that the draft will be really interesting because if, yeah, they, my answer take as well. a, if they take a quarterback, I think they would absolutely want to extend Amani Hooker because they're going to have a cost controlled uh, quarterback contract and they have the flexibility flexibility to do that kind of thing. Um, if they leave the draft and the future of the quarterback position is still kind of up in the air, I think they might, I could see them waiting on the Imani hooker contract because they've shown the ability to find good safeties and hybrid defensive backs in the later rounds. So I, I think that they, you know, teams usually try to go back to the well that they've had success with before. Yeah, agreed. I, that's my answer as well. I think it's really going to depend on keeping an eye on the draft. Quarterback would be a, a big indicator. I think day three flyers on guys at that position could be an indicator. Um, but it also could just, like you said, it could just be a surprise extension this offseason. Although I think that they have guys up for extensions or re-signing higher on the pecking order, in their opinion. Um, you know, Obviously, A.J. Brown is going to be priority 1A in terms of extensions this offseason. And then they're probably going to be thinking about getting to Jeffrey Simmons eventually. In my opinion, they shouldn't extend him this offseason, but that's a topic for another day. Maybe an article I'll write. I've teased writing in the in the past. This offseason, I think I will. But there are other guys that they could extend before Amani Hooker. Of course, you know, he was this past season, him and Kevin Byard, I believe, were one and three on PFF's safety char- uh, safety rankings for the season. So, like, he's a stud. He was elite last season. And they should want to try to keep him. Now, can they wait until next season to keep him still? Like, can they wait to make a decision? Yeah, they can. And I'm guessing they probably will. Um, but like we said, the draft will probably be a good indicator of where they're thinking on that. Milton, his second question in a thread here, he asks also, given that the Titans carried four running backs towards the end of last year, including uh, Carter and Blossom game, and now they're down to three, Henry, Hilliard, and Carter. I'm increasingly thinking running back is a likely mid third round pick. Who do you like at running back in which round and why we actually just kind of addressed this, but like we like to reiterate to what we said, um, really a day three thing. We, we went over, go back a couple of questions ago. We, we went over who we like, um, but it's, it's a day three only thing in our opinion, in my opinion, at least I won't speak for James. I, I would like them to, you know, they, they definitely need to bolster that position, but they've shown the ability to find guys literally off the street to come in and and play well, um, especially behind a, a really talented O-line. So that, I believe those are all of our questions. Is that all you got? That's all I got. Okay, perfect. Well, we will wrap up the episode today kind of all over the place, but we got to your questions. We talked A.J. Brown. We talked mock drafts and draft simulators, kind of covered everything that is in the news this time of year. We're going to continue to do so the rest of this week and next week. We're going to try to do an episode every single day from now until the draft on Thursday night. Uh, Looking forward to that again, just nine days away. Stick with us for the rest of this week. We're going to have more great content. We've got some exciting things planned in the, in the final days before the draft. 
If you got more questions for us, continue to shoot them our way. Like I said, we'll do another mailbag right before the draft next week at some point. Might have another guest on or two uh, before the, the draft. So exciting things every single day. Stay with the feed. Follow us at Easton Freeze, at No Flags Film, at the Titans 10 BSM on Twitter to keep up with all of our content, all of our coverage, keep up with the show. And until next time, I'm Houston Freeze for James Foster. This has been the Titans 10. Titans 10.